Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Saturday, June 25th, 2022. Thank you for joining me today. Today is actually going to be shorter. I'm going to go ahead and say that right at the gate because I made sure that's the case. I'm testing out a couple of new things today to make sure that the news, I'm not going to get into explaining it all just because it, it's not worth the time, but there's different things I'm trying today in regard to back in the background with uh, OBS for StreamYard and different things because of different cameras and things that I've been messing with all day. Things like this that I'll just give you a quick uh, glance at so you guys can see what I'm talking about in regard to, oh, well, maybe not, or maybe I completely, maybe it's not going to happen today. Oh, well. That's interesting. Oh, well, screw it. I guess we're just doing, they won't look different to you then. So let's get started today. A very important topic that we're going to be going over, which is the continuation of the Roe versus Wade discussion. And there's a lot that's happening around that today, specifically, that you guys are going to want to hear, talk about, digest. But it's important to me that we continue the conversation from yesterday. It's very important to me that we continue to see how this is being used against us. That doesn't mean that there's not violent people out there doing violent things. It doesn't mean that there are only violent people in, all, in any protest we're pointing at, whether that's on the left or the right. So to label all, if any protest, one thing is just as stupid when it happened on January 6th or to anybody else on any side of what you're talking about because that's what's happening today. We have a situation where it's almost as if we've been set up. As I was talking with somebody earlier, we are, giving, we are being given the rope with which to hang ourselves right now, where instead of going, I'm going to be logically consistent here and, and recognize that, let's say, that is still your choice, regardless of my personal opinions, because I said it was supposed to be your choice around vaccines. So if we're still talking about bodily autonomy, well, there you go. That's still your choice, even if I have a different political opinion. Or how about the idea of whether the Democrats, let's say, in the two-party discussion are saying, look at the Patriot Front and the way they come out with their white supremacy, and that's what all Republicans think. That's what everyone at January 6th was like. They're all violent, white supremacist maniac. Okay, and we can all acknowledge how stupid that is from anybody's perspective to pretend that every single person, it's, it's ridiculous, no matter what you want to point out. On the other side of it, right now today, we're seeing a lot of Republicans in the same vein now just chomping at the bit to go, oh, insurrection! Even if it's just because like a ha-ha-ha, we got you back kind of a moment. It doesn't matter why it's happening. It doesn't matter why DeSantis just called it an insurrection before it happened. It doesn't matter. It's ultimately leading in the same direction. Now, there are things that matter within this, whether or not there are things happening or whether or not it's being covered up or whether or not it's being driven from certain people in certain directions, funding, and so on. All that matters. But the first thing we need to recognize is this is being used against us, and we should not take the bait. Don't take the low-hanging fruit. Right? Don't bat at the newest dangling cat toy. It's what they want from us. So what I'm going to do is today is try my best to go through without being redundant from yesterday and just making these points. Just make sure we can see that this is being used. And as I said yesterday, if you want to watch that show, please do. It ultimately boils down to however you want to look at this, no matter how legitimate your arguments may be, to making any protest, any pushback. Not talking about violence, just actual protest or protesting or any whatever against powerful people, illegal, terrorism, insurrection. And that's what's happening right now. Because those that are being violent, whether interlocutors or angry Democrats because of what happened, is still being used to broadly point at literally anybody out there doing that right now. 
And that's not okay. We all should be okay saying that. And now we're going to get into the, the contradictions of that happening today where it's, impo- it's difficult for people within the two-party paradigm to see the same contradiction that they're pointing out on the other side when it suddenly happens, on the, when it's, you know, they're the ones making that point. Now, today we're also going to go over after that a discussion around a couple of COVID-19 things, a follow-up on the monkeypox discussion from the WHO, and a really alarming statement made by Tedros in regard to what seems to be the un- foregone conclusion of the treaty with teeth coming from the WHO and the World Economic Forum and the whole push that's happening there. I mean, I include the World Economic Forum because that's the push behind the WHO is where that's coming from. And I'll also finish with a couple of interesting points around some new things coming from a potential investigations around the COVID-19 ejection. So to start off, Biden signs gun safety bill into law, which is what we expected, what we knew would happen. And the point to make here is about constitutional rights. I mean, the idea, the simple reality people will disagree with on all sides and whatever we're talking about. But at the end of the day, shall not be infringed means something. And alienable rights mean something. You can't point at this and use those terms and then suddenly act like, well, we're going to write something that changes that. Whether you want to point out Mayberry versus Madison, Supreme Court precedent talking about if it doesn't matter whether every single person in Congress votes for it, everything. If it is no, if it is uh, repugnant to the Constitution was the word, it is null and void. And that's the found. That's the idea of what these things are, not laws being written. We're amending things as it goes forward in regard to the Constitution, the Bill of Rights. But at the end of the day. Because even the Bill of Rights were added onto the, and the idea is those Bill of, the rights added there in the Bill of Rights were just extension of the Constitution, or were not repugnant to other current, stated, inalienable rights. The problem is as we go forward, the more and more they do this. Thirty seconds. Thank you for letting me know, guys. Or how two minutes maybe. That's unfortunate for the sound. I'll fix that later. But. The idea being that now we're in a position where slowly which, and surely, because of the people they point at and pretend are the majority that agree with them, they're just chipping away at these things by using things like precedent, using things like not legislation, but precedent, ruling, and slowly pushing these things away. Now, understand that that is one argument you made even around the Roe versus Wade argument. That there's a, the, but this is not something that is enshrined in necessarily something like the you know, foundational inalienable rights. But somebody may argue that. I'm only making this point to show you that constitutional rights and the foundational points of this country are very clear. That's the problem. That's why they, they try to chip away at things like the Second Amendment and go, well, hunting versus this. Nope, nope. The, mo- doesn't, the moment that conversation starts, you're already off the, tra- you're off the track. It does, you don't get to add caveats to these things. But you see, in regard to abortion, Roe versus Wade, it, it's a different topic. But there's still conversations to be had, and people can still disagree. The problem today is that that's not allowed anymore, and that's not okay. We need to be able to have dialogue and discuss these things. Now, I'm going to make a couple points about Roe versus Wade again after I get past this first part, just to really reiterate kind of my general stance, because I didn't really go into it too deep yesterday. But I just want to point this out, which is just frustrating on the gun part of it. Here's somebody who posts a a meme, or rather an image, of, as a girl, I just hope that one day I have as many rights as a gun. And I, I, laughing at Slow News Day, Steve point, point, made a joke about that. It's just, it's ridiculous. I, like, the bottom line is I wasn't aware that guns had rights. Like, just the, ig- the basic ignorance of that statement, fundamentally not even understanding what you're trying to say. The point at the end of the day is that, what, that rights around guns or, you know, it's, it's, it's incoherent. But the bottom line is trying to compare what just happened in regard to gun rights. And it's just clumsy. 
Because at the, at the end of the day, you're talking about inalienable constitutional right and, so, and, and legislation that's been passed over the years. But it says, I cry tonight for all American women who want the right to own their own bodies. It's weird the way they're talking about controlling your body, owning your body. Just weird terminology, first of all. But it is your body, so you can use whatever term you want. But what do you mean, cry for all American women who want the right to be? Do we not understand what just happened? There, now, I remember, I, told, I think it was Missouri we pointed out yesterday. I hope I didn't misquote the state. might have been Minnesota. It's, one of the states recently just came right out early and said that they're going to put extreme limitations on this. Not completely stop it, but for the most part, in most people's eyes, it has been. But at the end of the day, all that really happened was now allowing the states to make their own decisions, which from a purely constitutional standpoint is exactly what has always should have been happening. Now, you can get into whether the governor is making a a, a, a beginning to like changing the law in a way that does not represent what their constituents believe. And that's not okay. That's something that the state needs to deal with. But at the end of the day, this is what's constitutionally sound. And that's what's so frustrating about that. I'm not even getting in to whether I agree or not yet with what, the, what just happened. This is just basic. You don't, you have to be logically consistent with your principles, with everything, integrity. We have to be consistent with how we apply these things. You don't just get to politically get upset on one side and ignore the exact thing in a different situation because you don't care about that one as much. This is a problem. Or, in this case, just completely misrepresent what's actually happening. Now, before we get into the Roe versus Wade discussion part of it, I want us to remember what we talked about around January 6th because, yes, it's very relevant. This is my one of the one of the many articles that rather shows January sixth, the failed false flag meant to blame Russia and you using the CIA grown Azov battalion. There's so many things to talk about in this conversation. Please check this out. Watch, read all the information, the provable documentation from the CIA, from everybody else. This is a real deal thing. Funding fascism since 1948 in Ukraine, building this thing to be used against the Soviet Union. It was on their rec- It's on the record, guys. It's documentation you, from at CIA.gov. You can read about it. So why do we pretend that that's not what's happening when they say that's what they wanted to do, and it continues right up until this day is ridiculous. But my point is how that bled over into what happened here, and how we see examples, provable examples of Ukrainians screaming in Russian or Azov battalion members who are directly tied to the Azov battalion on the ground on January 6th or people in these different, different groups tied directly back to entities on and on and on. But the overarching point is that this was not what it was made out to be. And this whole vanilla ISIS white supremacy push was obviously built up and it didn't really happen. Now, whether they didn't take the bait, I mean, you can't have an insurrection with no guns, now can you? So obviously something didn't really pan out. Either way you look at it, this was an example of the same kind of clumsy thing that's trying to be done today. Now, were there people that were violent on January 6th? Anybody honest can say yes. Does that mean that everybody there was a terrorist? Obviously not. This is called nuance. Right? The bottom line is that there were people that did break the law, and they should be held accountable. But what's happening is they're going after everybody, like the classic example of the grandma that was simply walking through taking selfies who was in prison. Like, that's not okay, especially since this is being done in a political sense. This is persecution from a political standpoint from people in powerful positions. This is supposed to be what this country's fighting against, ostensibly. Right? The government is ostensibly fighting as people are trying in their own right, but the government pretends to fight for it and it does the exact opposite. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up is to carry this mentality into the next conversation. Because if you're a Republican and you're looking at this going, ah, oh, it's completely fake and there's agent provocateurs and we knew that there were FBI agents on the ground, 
<clears throat> we need to apply that same logic in reverse, right? So right now, if we know, like, for instance, the Patriot Front, right? The Patriot Front comes marching out, and the Republicans are like, oh, it's the FBI, it's a fake news, it's a, you know, and we, and we should all go, that's certainly possible. And I'm pretty sure that's exactly what's happening. So when the other side comes around, and we know for a matter of fact that we can prove FBI connections to Antifa and George Soros funded this and on and on and on, right? We, can, we know those things, yet at the same time, people on one side of this argument will look at that and go, that's what they all believe and that's what they all think and they're all fighting for insurrection and they're all overthrowing the government because it's easy. It's a low-hanging fruit, but we don't apply the logic to realize, well, what if there are agent provocateurs? What if what did happen there was pushed forward by somebody and it wasn't what everybody else thought or on and on and on? The Patriot Front, the Antifa discussion, they're the same kind of thing in my mind. We need to apply the logic consistently. <clears throat> now, to start with this part of it, I want to make sure we're clear about how obvious it is that you have people on the specifically the Democrat side right here, just like you did, by the way, in, other, in, in different situations on the right. And just by the way, like you do right now on the right in regard to calling this an insurrection, because it's, it's almost like they're working together. But you have people like this lunatic here screaming about – I mean, this, this she is just constantly chomping at the bit to jump in and rile up things about, you know, take her big flashy stand. This, I mean, she doesn't really even half the time, in my opinion, understand what she's talking about, but will be happy to jump in and rile things up in a violent way. And this, this, is, based, this is what we've seen Maxine Waters do in the past, call for violent activity. And then act like it's okay because there's a certain – it's about a certain political topic, right? In this case, because we're fighting for abortion, and how dare you say that that's not acceptable? We will, we will take violent action if we have to because we believe in this. Right. Now, you can say that all you want, especially if you're an average person, but then you can be held accountable for violent action if that's what happens. But the point is not other people, you. But in this case, you're a politician. You're a person in power or in, you know, in authority. And by doing so is exactly what they said Trump did, exactly what they said all the Republicans did, which many of them didn't do. Even Trump, I would argue, didn't do that. I went through all of it, and I never saw a time where he was going, get in there and march up and make this happen, and we're going to change everything. He didn't do that. Not even once, and as far as I can tell. Prove me wrong if, if, you, if you have it. The point is that they said things that were ambiguous. And they framed that as not enough, therefore he's responsible. Yet right now... Anything you're pointing at that's violent in the same logical consistency that they blame Trump, you could blame her for right now. Every single thing that is very clearly violent that is happening, such as the thumbnail that I posted, which I'll go over. I personally believe most of this is being completely artificial, not that they didn't necessarily take those actions, but that people are being driven to this by some court of social engineers whether, even, whether that's even just the entire Roe versus Wade wedge issue manipulation, the way it was leaked out and the way that it's perfectly timed with other things, it seems very, very obvious. I mean, just to say one point right out of the gate, by the way, I'm noticing, okay, shoot, I feel like my battery's going to die even though it's plugged in. I'm, there's all sorts of weird things happening to my computer today. But somebody pointed this out online and said, I, I can't believe this happens right before the prime. The, the point is they're basically creating a situation just like that where all of these gigantic issues fall off the side. COVID-19 and Ukraine and everything, you know, vaccine passports, WHO, and all of a sudden they're going to make this about one issue. Whether we want that or not, you can just look on Twitter and you try to find conversations outside of Roe versus Wade right now. It is literally everywhere. That's how easy this is. Just like that. Throw the wedge issue in just like that. 
those things not matter anymore? I thought we were in the middle of the biggest pandemic in a century. Suddenly, this is the only thing that everybody cares about. It's politics, guys. That doesn't mean this doesn't matter. But it's very frustrating. Now, before I get into this, I want to make a couple of points that I think are important. <clears throat> make sure I don't screw up, screw up the imagery here. Oh, well, I'm not worried. See, and then the light's coming through. All right, but so I want to make a couple of points here. You guys can still hear me? Good, good. Okay. I don't know why that's not working. That's very frustrating. I had another camera set up is the point. <laughs> I'm trying to get this to work today. I'll get it there. I had it working before I went live. But I want to make a couple of points about this before we get into it. One, just to clear up in, in case people are confused about what my stance may be, which does matter. But the point being, first of all, that I just said, not lose that moment, the discussion there is that this is being turned into the only issue that's seemingly going to matter during all these other things that are happening. And arguably, this is an important topic, but arguably, the basically a potential world war seems a little more important, and a potential World Health Organization pandemic treaty and biosecurity state. I mean, these things are not arguably. They're more important than the way that that's being policed. Now, I'm not saying a woman's right to choose and, and reproductivity. I'm talking about the politics around it and allowing the state to make that decision is not stopping things. So to have this cover up all of those things before an election, it's very transparent to me. But I want to be clear about my stance here in regard to this. Now, I think the main thing that I said yesterday that people need to understand, I have a personal opinion that I think, and that's important to understand, is very different than being logically consistent. My opinion, and, 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 and to be quite completely transparent, I guess it doesn't matter, but to be, to, be in, to be personal about it, is I've dealt with stuff like this in the past and made a choice early in my life that I wasn't okay with that. I just can't, said, you know, that's not something that I would do. Even though it was 16 years old, ultimately, long story short, she ended up having a miscarriage, but the point was I was a young kid, and I was put to the test on that, and I stood by it, and I said, you know, I, I, it's going to change my life, and... It's just something I don't think I can do. I don't believe in that. I think that it's better to let this happen and just, you know, own up your, own your consequences, right? As a, as a, as a grown, as a, I guess, growing man. But nonetheless, guys, just like I was saying before. So my point being is that that's not something I would do. So if I was put to the test on what I believe, it would be that, that that's not something I, that I don't think people should be doing, killing, growing babies or however you want to frame that. But being logically consistent, my stance has always been that it's your choice. It is your choice. That's apply. That's anything you want to talk about. So I can understand. I can believe that I don't think it's okay, but I can think that you have the right to make your own decision. That's the reality of anything we're talking about. And this is what I wrote down from before. Your personal choice for your own body, whether vaccines or abortion or whatever you want to talk about, will always, as far as I'm concerned, supersede my opinion of that choice. No matter my position, my standing, my authority in the world. Period. Because it's your body and your choice, right? Because being logically consistent means that that applies there, and it also applies to dangerous genetic injections. Your choice. Now, the problem is that people today are putting their opinions on people and saying, well, but that's not okay, whether religious or personal political opinion, and saying because I don't think it's okay or rather because I think it's detestable that we're going to take action to stop you from doing that, and that's the right thing to do. No, it's not the right thing to do. The right thing to do is to allow people to make their own choices, always. And then, of course, hold them accountable for it, right? There are always consequences, good and bad, with actions that people take. The problem here is that that's not happening. Your personal choice 
should and will always supersede my opinion of that choice. Now, the government, to be clear about this, should not be making choices for you or anybody. That's part of the problem here, is that now we get into the situation where they've become so tyrannical that now a little bit of this is given back to us and everybody loses their minds. They go, well, we can't do that. They've made a choice already. They shouldn't be making that choice. It should come down to you. And by the way, that applies to the states too. But understand, this is my opinion. I don't know if it's even applicable. I don't know. But in regard to whether it can actually be, you know, my take my opinion and make it the law, I don't think it's even, the way it's happening today is very difficult. But my point is that these government governments, in any sense, should not be making these choices for people. It always comes back to your freedom to choose for yourself. That's always going to be the reality. So the state situation, where suddenly these states step up and go, we're not going to make it illegal because you gave it to the states. Well, again, I disagree with that. It should come down to a person's choice to decide for themselves, even though I personally disagree with it. Now, the idea, again, about this Patriot Front Antifa analogy is so incredibly important, guys, because this is like this clownish cartoon that we're watching play out. As, again, Steve and I were talking about earlier, this, like, they, the, the players wear costumes and go out there and battle each other, and we, it's just, it's becoming ridiculous. And, of course, one side sees Antifa as the representation of everybody on the left, even though that's stupid because it's not the way that works, and the other side sees the Patriot Front or whatever other group as the representation of all of them. It's becoming ridiculous. It's like the real housewives of the U.S. government. We are watching some sort of reality show play out in front of us, and we all just like to watch it and eat popcorn. Now, I'm being facetious. I don't think everybody thinks that, but the false majority does. Again, we are being given the rope with which to hang ourselves, and I think that's obvious unless we do something about that. Now, going back to this tweet here, Maxine Waters tells people to fight the hell with the Supreme Court. We will defy them, she says. Now, this is what gets ridiculous. Again, because they've decided this is a moral standing point. It doesn't matter. Law doesn't matter. Rules don't matter. You know? Uh, norm, it's whatever. The, the processes don't the processes don't matter. If it went the other way and the Republicans were doing the same thing, what would they do? They would call it insurrection. They would call they don't respect our democracy. Why can't we acknowledge how dumb that is? How childish that is? So they don't care about anything. As always, I keep saying lately anyway, everything means nothing, nothing means anything, unless they decide to point at it. Very frustrating. So here's what she's saying. vote for me no but the, the point here guys for always with her lackey behind her is that she's calling for people to go out and rebel right i mean it doesn't matter how you look at it here guys she's calling people to go out there and get in the streets now let's be clear they have a right to do that anybody does she has a right to say that and in fact to be very clear she's not calling for insurrection she's not calling for violence but but let's be clear she has before and what she tends to do is very 
inflammatory with her rhetoric. But to be clear, she wasn't specifically calling for violence. But to play the Trump game, that's way more than they way more than enough for them to go wink wink. Here's what Trump really means. So why don't we go wink wink? Here's what Maxine Waters really means. Get out there and burn things down because we're not like that. Because we're better than that. Because we don't play the same game. We don't jump on the bandwagon and go, look at her. Because that's what they want from you. But that's what most people are doing in the two-party paradigm. Jumping on and going, Maxine Waters calling for insurrection. I'll show you next. And now, are those people real? Some of them are. And you know who they are. Some of these big players in the Republican media scene, independent or whatever you want to call it. You know, the Cernoviches of the world out there that are just pumping out these ridiculous partisan talking points that are basically un- – it's frustrating. I, don't, I shouldn't even gone down that route. The bottom line is there's plenty of them out there that are doing that and keeping this going, and it is problematic. But she is calling for ex- far more than what Trump ever did. It's interesting, isn't it? Didn't, and as, as he points out, didn't they impeach Trump for this? Right. Now, the last point for her – What do you mean black women aren't scared? Like, she just can't keep the race issue out of her mouth. Now, of course, that's going to be racist for me to say that, right? Because that's what, because she's, my point is not that the race issue is unimportant or that she shouldn't bring it up when it's relevant. But nobody in this context is aiming this at only black women. Nobody's made a comment that black women are scared. So where did that even come from? She just grabbed that out of nowhere and said, you think they're, we're not scared? Well, nobody said that. But it's because it's an easy way to just go, we're black women and we're going to do this and we're going to march to the streets to make it a race issue. Because that is her bread and butter. And that's disgusting. I don't care what color you are. In fact, I would call that would be racism, really, when you think about it, to use race in a way. The bottom line is, guys, that right there is going to be called out. People are going to try to, what's the word now? I forget now. Uh, Cancel me because we're saying things like that. But you know I'm not afraid of that. Censor me. Do your thing. It's happening all the time. This channel is probably already censored. But let's go to the next one. Here is the image I used today. Now, this is crazy. As you can see, for those in the podcast, it's, it, this, I believe this is one of the justices' houses, but I, I, I don't want to misquote that because I tried to look into it, but I couldn't get any real confirmation, but somebody let me know. But it says, if abortions aren't safe, neither are you, with the, uh, with the very telling anarchy sign. Right. People who either fundamentally don't understand what anarchy is or using it for a very, very purposeful reason because it's not anarchy. Anarchy doesn't mean chaos. But, you know, as I die on that hill over and over, even my audience half the time doesn't seem to agree with me on it, but it's the simple fact. Anarchy is simply no rulers, not no rules. It's the only ideology in existence that I understand. That's not, that's not the way I meant. The only, as I understand it, the only ideology in existence that does not have a place for rulers. Gee, I wonder why they don't like it. But what we're seeing here, I feel is engineered at the very least. Now, what you're seeing here is unacceptable. Now, this is my point about the whole protesting outside of their houses concept which plenty of the people out there are saying, that's what we should be doing, and if you're not doing that, then you're part of the problem, which is a stupid thing to say, because you don't believe what I believe, you're not real. Like, that's just like level, that's like third grader level mentality stuff, but at the end of the day, this is what ultimately could happen. I'm not saying not to, I just personally believe that this is what it ultimately will lead to, because they want us to do that, but I could be wrong. Follow your own heart, follow your own, what you think is right. 
But all it takes is somebody to, an agent provocateur, to go out even after your protest is done and do this in the middle of the night. And then this is what the, the front page, this is what they show. And the point is, I think this is an agenda, guys. Now, either way, let's just say it's not, because that's another possibility. Let's say these were Democrats that are upset about what happened. Well, they should be held accountable, shouldn't they? The corporate media should be pointing this out and saying this is unacceptable. These are riots. These are whatever term actually applies. And if you want to be playing the game, which we're not going to, but we shouldn't, but to make the point, you could easily call things like this an insurrection, which all the, so many of the rights, including DeSantis, already are based on the ridiculous broken definition of what they applied it to in January 6th, right? So if an, an armless, no arms, no weapons, mark, quietly walking through the hallways in most cases is an insurrection, well, what would you call this? But, we need, don't, but don't fall into that trap because the moment you start playing that game, in, an insurrection is what the definition means. So if we don't see that, then it's not an insurrection. But this is criminal activity, politically driven, politi- politically driven violent activity which you could squeeze into the definition of terrorism if you wanted to, but I, I, I don't believe that's what we should do. This is crazy. Now, to show you this whole thread, we're seeing a lot of people on Twitter, in this case, what they're documenting is Democrats, who are being apparently allowed to go on and say things like burn down the Supreme Court. Now, I went through pretty much most of these, and yes, they are genuine. They're, they're there. Now, I'll show you some of the examples just so I can prove that to you, but just to go through quickly... This one says, I'm going to kill everybody in the Supreme Court with my AK. This one says, I'm going to assassinate Clarence Thomas already. Somebody. This one says, an American flag was set on fire. Burn it down, they protest. Now, you can go through all these and find that there's a lot of stuff in there. This one I, I have pulled up. I'll show you. Riot. Civility is pointless. Now, if, if and when Republicans were saying, there were plenty of Republicans during the January 6th, during that situation, that were, in fact, calling for revolution, that were, in fact, telling people to do that. Now, I have examples of plenty of people like that older guy in the red hat who never got held accountable, and they, except they were looking for him, and then he's never been arrested, obviously. And even the people on the ground were saying, Fed, Fed, there's a very suspicious situation at the very least with that guy. But there's plenty of actual Republicans that were pushing for that. That they It was stolen from us. We need to march on the Capitol. Right. Does that mean that literally everybody was like that? No. That's pretty clear. So we have to just be clear that that did happen on the other side. But what's happening now, at least from my perspective that seems different, is that they don't seem to be going after these people with censorship. That's, that's not to take a partisan stance. That just seems to be the reality. Now, what does that mean? You could argue it means that the left is the controlling factor here and they're, you know, it's all part of a left versus you agenda and the Republicans are going to save us. I don't know why in the world you would take such a look. That seems ridiculous to me, but it's certainly possible. What I think we're staring at is the Twitter specifically being a very clearly left-leaning controlled outlet, which with, I don't know, the whole Elon Musk thing throws confusion in there, doesn't it? Especially now. So now is Elon allowing this or what? You know, see how that would remember that first time when I think people like Woods came out and said, everything's different today. Everything changed. (laughs) Clearly, that was ridiculous. And we're still going back and forth on that. But I could take too much time on this. But the point is that these are happening. Here are some examples. Oh, that I have this up twice. I don't think I did. Here are some examples right here. Just the picture they were showing. Riot. Civility is pointless. And as of uh, before I went live, it's still there. 131,000 likes. Can you, I mean, if this was a Trump supporter, this would already be censored, in my opinion, and would probably be taking action against them. 
especially if this was somebody that did it before January 6th, they would be investigating them, right? Now, maybe that'll happen. Maybe this will end up being investigated. Maybe this will be taken down. Who ultimately knows? 26,000 retweets. I don't think that would happen, personally, because I do think a larger agenda about things like this were about ultimately using the scapegoat of the conservative side of this to create a situation for the larger agenda. Now, yes, in that case, it does. And that's what I've been arguing, that they're the scapegoats here. But that's anybody they want to call a conservative, including someone like me, even though I, too, I'm a two-party illusion kind of guy. But you can see how that works. So that's why I would, I would argue that it's more focused on Republicans. But it's hard to see that as a nonpartisan point, but it truly is, guys. Now, here's somebody else. Someone assassinate Clarence Thomas already. Now, this, this was something that was posted. Now he's protected his tweets. Maybe to, he's worried he's going to get censored. I don't know. The bottom line is this is all out there, guys. It's definitely real stuff. Here's the other example of this person. The American flag was set on fire, the 7th and D. Burn it down. D.C. abortion protesters chant. Now, are they talking about the flag? It's kind of a weird thing to say about a flag. Burn it down. You know what at least the insinuation is. So compare that to what they talked about on January 6th. Let's watch this really quickly. Oh, you know what I didn't do? That's right. See, I forgot something else. I have these uh, tweets, but I haven't uploaded them to OBS. It's different. See, it's a different, different setup. But let's just play it right here. Yeah. Now, they have every right to burn a flag. Now, again, there are, I believe there are laws about that, but I think those are ridiculous. It's, it's obviously something you should have a right to do. If you want to, whether or not you agree with it, it's up to you, right? But the point is that this is about, you know, being framed at the very least and seems to be a sort of an anti-American concept, right? Or at the very least what that represents. Now, it's interesting seeing as how these people, I guess, would arguably Biden supporters, uh, who is the president of that country. So these people don't really think, I don't think these people fully understand their own stance, I feel like it's just a getting to a point to where it's bad guy Republican, bad guy, any action that happens, and it's being framed as, as this is clumsy argument that that's the country, but only when they do things, right? But Biden's not because Biden's more like the WHO or – like I don't even know how they mentally put this together. It's just it's – just, it's, it's sort of ridiculous. But it's clear to me that this is very much more on the surface than what they were saying about people in regard to the January 6th event. Maybe that's just my perception. Either way, it's the same stuff, and it's being dealt with differently. That's the important thing to recognize. There, This one, oh, see, these are just more videos that you can check for yourself on the protest. Now, here is some, this person, I don't even know why, I've never even seen this person before. All rights, DC has me blocked. So here's the tweet, first of all. Enraged, devastated, pissed the F off, so are we. Again, don't forget, by the way, this is not an illegal action. This is the way this process was supposed to go. It just didn't go the way they wanted it to. So instead of going like they would tell a Republican, well, get back out there and vote and ray and protest and change the scene the right way, they're going, no, nope, we're going to burn it down. Who cares what the Supreme Court says? We're going to fight back. Okay, so you're not going to go into the, okay, got it. So you're hypocrites. Even, even from that partisan standpoint, you have to see that. That is hypocrisy. What happened to going through the right processes, right? You just make an argument for why that doesn't apply now. Because, well, those judges were put there by Trump, and that was illegal? No. <laughs> you don't like them is the point, and you disagree with their politics. It becomes subjective and ridiculous. And it says, meet us at this center, at the Burke Cent Count Center Parkway, 630. 
<clears throat> excuse me. And it, the, the thing says, protest the Thomases. Now, here's what the comments underneath it say. You can see there, unblocked. This person was hidden by them, which is just, people that do that are ridiculous, like we can't look at them. But it's saying like, you know, this is illegal, you know, this is, which it's not, by the way, it's a protest. Now, if it does eventually break the law, well, then they can be held accountable for that. You don't need to make new laws about it. You don't need to change anything. It's already there. It always has been. How is organizing a protest illegal, this person asks. It's a valid point. Now, I'm not saying that you should agree with what they're doing or that they're doing is justifiable even. I mean, it's, if you want to go out and protest that you disagree with the action, I mean, what are you, what are you protesting exactly? Are they going to stand up and go, okay, enough people protested, so we're going to change our ruling? Like, this is just about political action. This is about the elections. This is about political talking points. They're protesting a valid process because they disagree with it. What's the protest going to accomplish? Right? Unless they're going to take violent action or do something aggressive to p- remove people. I mean, I don't even know what the illogical end result is. Like, they could, by the way, make the same argument for January 6th. What did they logically think was going to happen? Like, I'm the first person that's going to point out that there was all sorts of election manipulation, but that happens every single year on both sides. And I prove that to people, but you only get taken by one side or the other based on which purse you pointed at. It's frustrating. That's the two-party paradigm melting people's logic. But it's, it's always, that's always there to see. Now, in this case, it's, again, how is organizing a protest illegal? All that aside, it's not. This person says, this isn't a protest. Ah, okay, so now we're choosing for them. It hasn't even happened yet. There's no indication it's violent on the front of it, right? Going back, <clears throat> pissed off, right? These are all, people get very upset and very emotional about politics. We've all seen that by design. But it doesn't say anything on there other than a protest. Now, if and when it becomes that way, well, then you could make that argument. But that's not a protest, he says. It's a temper tantrum by entitled little white kids who think they matter. You lost morality, one, get over it. You lost morality, one, get over it. I'm not sure what that means. But, you know, you could even agree with the sense that it's a tantrum. It is, right? I mean, that was my first point. What what is it going to accomplish? It doesn't matter how – you could have um, the entire country protest this. What are the, what's, what's the argument supposed to be? Well, enough people stood up, so we change the vote we just had? If that's the case, well, then nothing means anything, and everything means nothing, as always. But this person says a temper tantrum is when members of the Supreme Court are actively trying to revoke a woman's right to choose. That's not what's happening. She doesn't understand, because they can't stand when they don't have autonomy over someone else's body. Oh, so now you know what they feel and think. Okay, so only the Trump appointed people, apparently, that's what she's insinuating, that they don't, they can't stand it when a woman has choice over her body. Like, what a stupid thing to say. But this comes from the political push, the fervor that's happening right now. Actively trying to revoke a woman's rights? No, they gave the states the rights they should have all along. And don't forget, by the way, Biden and plenty of other Democrats currently in political positions over the last decade have made similar arguments about why the the states should make these decisions. But now, because it's political push, they they pretend like it's not there. And if you point to those things, they go, yeah, you don't understand. It's not relevant anymore. It was different to change his mind or whatever their thing is to say to not have to digest that the very people they're using and pointing at were making the same argument very recently. This person even says, reported. Reported? (laughs) So now you've got Republicans reporting people for protesting. You see how that worked out? So now maybe they will go after them. 
What happens if they actually do go after them? What happens if they actually start arresting people for protesting? They're going to go, yeah, get them. That's what they deserve. Until it swings back around and bites Isaac in the butt for protesting legally because they'll call him a terrorist when the time comes. I just can't get why people can't see that. Even the per- people in the two-party paradigm. I know you all can. I think the majority can. But even these people that are tied up in the paradigm, I don't understand why that's not obvious to them. It's a, it's a team sport game. That's why. Because they've picked a side and it's about watching the other side lose. Not about actual change. For many of them, I should say, at the very least. This person says, same, I reported it. Let's see if Twitter acts responsibly in removing these posts. Or they'd rather be responsible for what comes next. So now you're even, now you have Republicans right now. Think about the, the, the irony in that. Standing up and saying you should, Twitter should delete this person's post. Because they're asking people to protest. Now I agree how dumb the protest is in this context. But don't they have a right to do it? You would have said absolutely if it was a Republican talking point a week ago. And it was the Democrats going after them. You have a right to do anything. But according to them right now, you should report it, and they shouldn't even be allowed to protest. My God, how fast that flips around. And wear a mask. <laughs> that, is, that is funny, by the way. Where I said, wear a mask, all big and bold. My God, people are ridiculous. But it goes on to say, oh, I think that was the only point in this one. Let's go to the next one. So here's the next one. This person, same thing, reported, same. And this person says, in regard to Twitter acting responsibly, and in her mind, responsibly is deleting a, a completely valid post because they believe, they think they wink, wink, know what they really want to do. And maybe she is right, but you don't know that for sure. To censor people for what you believe they mean behind the scene, that is ridiculous. But now they're allowing it on both sides because they, they tricked certain right into doing it and certain left into doing it. Now all of a sudden, any protest or anything, they can censor you because they wink, wink, know what you want to do because Ryan's wink, wink, a white supremacist, so we're going to censor anything he says. That's where this leads, guys. But don't be ignorant, says they won't. Twitter Inc. loves leftist fat terrorism. Yeah, that's where we are now. So this is leftist terrorism. And maybe it is. Maybe it'll end up that way. But the fact that these people have already decided that, ruling in the court of public opinion, don't be ignorant is literally being ignorant. My God. Now, what's sad about it is I probably agree with them on a lot of what's going on right now. It's just the final point where they're taking the bait and being ridiculous about it. And deep down, they know it. They're, they know that this isn't an insurrection, at least not yet. And yet they're still pointing at it and calling it that. Even if it did happen, you have to still acknowledge. Let's just take it to the extreme. Let's say they break down windows and then literally overthrow a government building and say that now we're a state of our own, which would be literally an insurrection. You still in that moment have to acknowledge there's plenty of people, maybe even in the same protest, that were not part of that. That simply wanted to come out and protest for what they believe is their right about abortion, women's rights. And, you know, to what end? Again, I don't even know, but they have a right to. The problem is that this is the way it goes every single time if we allow the partisan talking points to rule the day. Now, here's where this gets alarming, more so than before. Senator Kelly Townsend, this is what I was pointing out the other day. We are currently there inside of in, in this building being held hostage inside the Senate building due to members of the public trying to breach our security. <clears throat> now, is that what's happening? In some cases, you could argue there's people that are being a little aggressive. And maybe I haven't seen all the pictures, all the videos. Make sure you sent me. I made sure I looked pretty broadly. But to me, this is a Republican, especially one running for, running for, for office, 
who is standing up and trying to make out what's happening into be the same thing they did to them in January 6th. It's tit for tat. We're going to get you back. Or they all know that it's a means to an end to illegalize protest. However you want to look at it, in being inside this building where people are protesting outside is now insurrection. We smell tear gas and the children of one of our members in the office is sobbing with fear. Is it even happening? Who knows? They made the same statements around January 6th. Now, they smell tear gas. Now, what's interesting is she said that. They smell tear gas, except for the fact that Senator Kelly, Kelly Townsend is well aware that they ordered them to fire tear gas. So just be clear, even in, if, if, whether you think the rest of it's true, she's willfully deceiving people about why tear gas was fired to make it seem more alarming. Then she goes, the worst part, I expect a J24 committee to be created immediately. This is her, I can, I can just see her smiling, but it's going, yeah, got you back. You want to do January 6th? We're going to do January 24th. Or excuse me, June 24th. That's what's happening. And this person right beneath it says, insurrection. Jumping on it, taking the bait. It's just alarming as hell to me, guys. <clears throat> now, as I said, what did I tell you? A June 24th committee? Seriously? If you question January 6th, question this too. Not the committee, just the whole damn thing. Everything that's happening right now. If true crimes are committed, call them out. They should be held accountable for them. But this is a political game to them. That's what she's doing right there. Misrepresenting the reality, whether or not there are people that are being violent and are trying to break in and so on, you're representing the entire thing as the opposite of what I believe is happening. And your lives are the pieces in this game. Don't allow yourselves to be a pawn in the games of the elitists, guys. Now here is what we're looking at, the, the Arizona, excuse me, I'm getting hiccups, discussion, the, the protest. This person says, good. The situation, well, first of all, it says tear, firing tear gas right into the crowd straight from the Capitol windows. It's very easy to see. You can see it directly from the video. So she's lying about smelling tear gas, or maybe she didn't know it was fired. That's certainly possible. Good, the situation was escalating beyond control and was no longer a, quote, peaceful protest, but a riot that was endangering the safety of everyone inside the Senate and House of Representatives building. Now, I haven't seen any evidence of that other than people being, you know, I'll show you next. Now, again, please, if I missed it, I'm not, send me the content and I'll show it, I'll show it tomorrow. Because as far as I can tell, this is just an, a, a very rowdy, borderline aggressive protest, which they have a right to do. There's not laws being broken as far as I can tell. And if they were, then same point. Those people individually should be held accountable. There's plenty of people out there that were just there to protest what they believed in, as much as I might disagree with why it's happening. It says, seriously, this is uh, this, just to be clear, his name's Copper State Democrat. It says Republican turned Democrat. So I guarantee that's going to influence the perception of what this person says right out of the gate because people take a side. Game, team sports, high five, this guy's lying. So, seriously, it says, people, this is pretty much the GOP talking point that have been given out to every member today. And you know what? Regardless of who said that, I can point it out. I can see these people towing this line from a GOP stocking point that you're supposed to, as it says, exaggerate any disturbances at protests to give the impression that the protesters were turning violent and wanted to enter government buildings. Now, even if that is what's happening, you shouldn't be calling all of them a certain thing. But the point is that this is the same thing we should be calling out or at least being con considering. Was it an agent provocateur? What, was it a FBI agent? Was it a person there that was dressed up? Was it a Republican dressed up as Antifa to carry it out? Why don't we ask those same questions? You see my point? 
Because in reverse, they're everywhere. We just can't oh, because it, oh, that was that we caught that guy dressed up like this and he was doing it like that. If we can see Republicans right now calling this an insurrection, knowing the, in their mind that they're they're doing that just to get them back, are we not going to pretend that they wouldn't go out and and take violent action to make them look the same way that they made to that? It becomes a game. You can see how that works. I'm not saying I can prove that. All I'm saying is we need to ask those questions. Aid and provocateurs don't work one way. It's about creating the illegalization of what's happening right now. So when we see them all exaggerating, I agree with that. We need to recognize that there is a game being played. Now, same thing, this person sounds kind of insurrection-y. It's almost a joke to these people. This person, challenging it. Are you serious? That's not true. There were drones in the sky, officers on foot, motorcycles and police cars every 15 feet. Now, I don't know about every 15 feet, but I can, I can tell you that I saw examples of all those things. They allowed the group into the area for speeches, which is true. Nobody broke in, and your security shot tear gas in the crowd from a secondary story, second story. Now, as far as I understand it, it's br- largely dissipated unless it rose back up again. And that's not what happened. They didn't break in. I'll show you the video. Now, again, I, the third time, if you have it, send it to me. I will play it. This one was... Oh, this is just the example of them using tear gas to disperse pro-choice protesters at the Arizona Capitol. Let's play the video. Now, okay, first point to make, and I'm going to show you this in another video. Look at all the police, the riot gear, and the whole damn thing. We didn't see that January 6th, despite the fact that they knew it was going to happen, that they were talking about it, that multiple times police on the ground asked for more reinforcements, and at least multiple examples, Pelosi was the one that decided not to let that happen. That's on the record, guys. So where were all these people? Why didn't they trot them out for that? And why was it sort of, in many places, very clearly allowed to continue and progress? You could make the argument that they thought they were overwhelmed enough that they had to back down, but that's not what ultimately happened, especially from the beginning. There's plenty of examples of this being very calm and being allowed to walk by. There's also examples of violence and and criminal activity. But it's quite different to see this immediately brought out. Why would that be? Yeah, so then this is, for the most part, when as far as I could tell, that it, it stopped or slowed down. Now, now ask yourself this, guys. Same point in any other situation I would make. If they weren't breaking the law, that's a crime. Right? Unless they, I mean, right, you know what, this, this is what needs to happen in any of these contexts. And this, for Republicans, you're going to love this if you really want to go after this. And by the way, though, you should make the same argument January 6th or anywhere else. They should be forced to prove that laws were being broken. They should be forced to prove that they were actually in danger and, and explain why they fired tear gas, which, by the way, is a flippin' war crime in, the, in a war setting with civilians. Right, it's, it's illegal. But of course, we pretend it's allowed on streets with civilians as long as they say their lives are in danger. But we should—they should have to prove that, shouldn't they? Because as far as I can tell, I can't find evidence of actual crimes happening so far. As I said, I will follow up on it. Okay, so that was it. Here is one of the best views I have of. You know, you can make an argument that this is concerning, right? Like these kind of the way that this is going and banging on the windows and the whole thing, 
which is still legal and still allowed, right? I mean, this is what the whole point is. These protests are allowed, and this is these are especially right now. The timing of it, like, I'll, I'll wait to make this point in regard to whether these are breaking the law because of what they're doing it and how they're doing it and where they're doing it in regard to picketing or, or you know, the whole thing. I'll, I'll show you the law about that. But my point is you could argue that this would be concerning. But by the way, this is, but it, the law is what matters, not the way you feel. Okay, so right there. Right there. That person should be arrested. Right? That person who is trying to break the door should be arrested immediately. The problem is that that's not going to happen. Now they're going to blame that on everybody. Now, who's doing that? I don't see the rest of them doing that. Why? In, in regard to what's actually happening here, it should not be immediately framed as all of them. Now, right there, you could argue, is a justifiable reason to potentially take action. I don't agree with fire, firing tear grenades in a gigantic grouping of people that have women and children in it. I mean, that's just crazy to me. But right there, that is a fair point to make in regard to taking action because you're trying to break the law. That's what this always comes down to. You don't need to invent new laws and new mandates and new discussions. The laws in the books have always been enough. Let's continue. Now, remember, too, by the way, what is supposed to be accomplished here? Like, that is a big point that matters, because what's going to happen? Like, you could argue in most protests that there's an, end, there's an end game, right? If we get enough attention, we can prove this. But this is a legal process that's been concluded. They would scream that you should go back through the process and right, put, you know, vote for somebody that's going to put different judges in or blah, blah, blah. The whole, the whole process, the illusion of how that's supposed to go. Excuse me, I'm jumping over to deal with this real quick. I'm not sure if we had some spammies in the chat there. People that were putting, you know, date these young girls and whatever they put in there. It's just like, it's so funny how they try to jump in. Now it looks like we have a mod. Back to the show. Now, Again, the point is, you know, what, what was going to be accomplished here, right? That's the, that's the real point here at the end of the day. What's, what would they think? They break in, and then what? What happens? I mean, there, there's only really one obvious conclusion that they, that they take action, right? There's not anything that's ultimately going to happen. So that's, that's a little bit interesting to me. Now, the final point should be, if you're going to call what happened on January 6th an insurrection, this, this would be the same thing. Now, it hasn't been allowed to progress. Now, imagine if a police officer had opened a door and let people in, and then it became, this is the same situation, right? Except in this case, they made sure it didn't happen. Whatever that may be, whoever those people are, those people that stopped, that fired tear gas, brought in lots of troops, lots of, and I'll show you the next part where they literally marched in people in a different location to make sure these things didn't get out of hand, which didn't happen on January 6th. Those are fair points to make. Okay, so I guess the, the, the point is that this ends up being 
tear gas fired, people disperse, and it doesn't happen, right? Now, here is same thing, this person following up saying, seriously, it's pretty much the talking points. I was just reading that. But this person follows up saying they're now parroting insurrection, same as they did divisive, which should, which press should never have used as it normalizes extremists. This is just her opinion. It says it all mean it, it, it's all meant to repeat something over and over with increasing levels of absurdity until a word loses its meaning, all to distract from a real event. Now, obviously, in her opinion, what she's saying is that this is Republicans using the insurrection word to hide their real insurrection, which, again, this is my point. How stupid that is. Now, everything I agree with in the context of using it repetitively to make it meaningless, but in, an, in a two-party illusion kind of way, in order to drive in the real end goal, which I believe is to stop anybody from being able to push back against powerful mandates or statements or executive orders or laws, if they finally get back to doing that. But for some reason in her mind, the, 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 this is not even close, but yet theirs was an insurrection, and they're just using it to cover that up. It's just people choose a side, and facts go out the window. But the point about how they're repetitively using this from a Republican side, I do agree with that, and I do think it's not what's actually happening, and there's an agenda taking place there. Oh, wait, maybe it was over here? Yeah, it's over there. I'll get to that in a second. So last part was, and this is the kind of thing I love seeing, Pfizer Bay quadruple boosted. <laughs> just a funny name. It says, in response to her creating a J24 committee, he says they have a right to protest. And I don't support their reasons. Right? That's an important thing to point out. The person who kicked the door broke the law. Or, I mean, they did. I mean, that's, it's, a, it's a government building, and it's, it's, they're trying to break in, I guess. They're trying to break the door in and of itself. It's, it's at the very least destruction of property kind of a thing. Well, there's crimes committed. Take care of it. The, but the problem is, suddenly, all, that, the whole thing becomes an insurrection. But his point is there's 99% of people out there that weren't breaking the law. Maybe they were about to. Maybe they wanted to. But those don't matter until laws are broken. Intentions and mindset and wishful thinking, these are things that are used against you. They have a right, even though we don't support their, their reasons. Now, here is the, the one of the things somebody pushed at me to say, well, no, look, you're wrong because they are breaking the law, which is an interesting point. So let me, let me reflect on it and show you what it says and give you my thoughts. 18, co, uh, 18 U.S. Code 1507, picketing or parading. Now, for me, this already feels like a, when this was originally passed, it looks like in 1994, like, like already unconstitutional. Like, already a way of saying, well, no, you can't do it this way for these people. It says, with the intent. So whoever, and this starts right out, this third word, fourth word, with the intent of interfering with, obstructing, or impeding the administration of justice. How do you prove that? That's one of the most frustrating things in a court of law, proving intent. Now, there are plenty of ways that they dictate outline how you that is done and the the line that needs to be crossed the burden of proof in regard to you know the whole point but the idea is that intent is very difficult to prove unless you have action right the point is somebody standing there with a sign may well have the intent to murder everybody but until it happens you have no idea and you can't prove that you can't arrest somebody for we believe and we can see it in his eyes he has the intent to hurt people so here we are at a point where they're saying with the intent to interfere obstruct now the person kicking in the door you could make a real argument for they had an intent to impede what, or whatever you want to frame it as. That's a fair point. 
But you can't say just because you believe that in some cases these are violent or that Antifa is violent or that they are maybe more violent than Republican protests or however you want to talk about it, whether you're right or wrong, you can't broadly say all of them are this thing. That's as stupid as saying everyone on January 6th was a certain way. And you're willing to call it out there. Why not make the same argument everywhere? Be logically consistent. It says, with the intent of influencing any judge, juror, witness, or court officer in the discharge of his duty. Again, how do you prove that was the intent? And since the process is over and nothing's going to get changed, regardless of what happens, you can't even make that argument, can you? They're not trying to obstruct or repeat anything. They're just simply trying to yell and scream and stomp their feet and maybe be violent against people because of what they think. Until that happens, you can't prove that. So this seems like a meaningless point in the larger context until you can prove these things are happening. But it goes on to say pickets or parades in or near a building, housing, or court of the United States. So bottom line, the argument they're trying to make is that if you protest outside of a government building, it's against the law. That's ridiculous. That's, that's, what, that's what DeSantis was saying. It's ridiculous, guys. It's, it's, they're creating a situation where any pushback, especially in a political process, is criminalized. And that's the most important thing, because everything that's happening here is removing your rights. And it says, or in or near a building or residence occupied or used by a judge, juror, witness, or court officer, or with such intent uses any soundtrack or similar device or report resorts to any other demonstration in or near any building or residence shall be fined or potentially go to jail, jail for one year. Now, what this is supposed to be, is let's say there is a a court case taking place, and your end your aim is to disrupt and stop it from happening. And so what you do is kick in the building and yell or attack people or protest inside the courtroom. That's what that is. Or let's say play a dr- incredibly loud soundtrack that stops them from being able to hear. That's what that is. Or going to someone's home that has a court hearing that you want them to not show up to. That's what that is. So again, as always inappropriately and broadly applying these things the way they want them to in a time that you can use them against you. That's what that is. Now here is the scene at the Supreme Court this afternoon. It's quite a bit different, isn't it? Now just absorb what you're looking at because it's not what they're framing everything else as. Now, were there people there that did things they shouldn't have? I'm sure. I'm sure that took place. Are there places around here that maybe got violent? Probably. But just take a look at what the majority of people are doing. I don't know why in the world you could argue abortion is a human right. I mean, that just seems kind of interesting to me, right? I mean, I, I do I, – again, I come back to the same point, that it's your choice. I support that. Now, you, you could say it's your, uh, a, a human right and all these different things, and I'll still agree with you that it should be your choice. I just can disagree on why you get there, right? But it's all, it should always be the choice of the individual. But now you could argue that that's – you know. 30 seconds later, it all ripped into riots and violence and so on. But <clears throat> my point in showing you this, <clears throat> as well as other examples, is that from my experience, what I've looked at across today, by and large, is like that. I mean, and, and that's what's frustrating. But the same point is about January 6th. By and large, wasn't like the ones they were trying to point out. And here's what's frustrating is you get people that are posting stuff like this. And this is a ridiculous point from a Democrat. Illegitimate! Right? And remember the point of you know, AOC saying illegitimate, right? Why is it illegitimate? 
What law are they breaking? What do they do that makes them illegitimate? Oh, because Trump put them there and you don't agree with their politics, so you're the one being childish. You can you could say that they're racist and bad people and we don't agree, and you could be wrong or right. That's up to people to decide. But to call them illegitimate is just childish. It says any court, which by the way, this is no, meaningless. It's not pulled from any law. This is just them writing this out. Any court which willingly, so already you're getting wildly subjective, willingly becomes contaminated, which, by the way, ask how the court makes that choice. <laughs> so now it's the court's choice to allow this to happen. This is so stupid. Becomes contaminated by religious extremism, which, I mean, let's be clear. Who's a religious extremist? Uh, really? Because these are Christians or because they have politi- religious opinions? They're extremists now? I mean, my God, these, are, these words have meaning. And that's part of all of this is to create a situation where it becomes whatever they want it to be. You're an extremist if they say so. You're a terrorist if they say so. And a belief in a political resurrection of a conniving, seditious ex-president can no longer be considered supreme. Oh, okay, so these people you apparently know believe in resurrecting Trump, which I don't even know what that means. But here, this is just a meme posted by somebody. But here's the point. 9,000 likes. You know what I mean? Like this stuff is, it's just crazy. This is high, This is like high-fiving over your team, stealing a touchdown from the other side. It's all whatever. You're winning. Or we want to win. Or we want to call them out. Or you want to make, attack the personal life of the running back. It's, just, it's childish. And it's all subjective. Now here is the same point we made before. This is a chief congressional correspondent for CNN pointing out that they're rolling out the riot police. This is early, by the way. This is yesterday, early. The point is, they were clearly ready to stop before it got violent. That's very different than we saw on January 6th. That's the real, that's the clearest point to make. Now, why? You could argue. You could argue your opinions around it. I believe it's because there was something that they wanted to happen on January 6th. And right now, it's more about hoping that they will call out what's happening as something that it's not. See how that works? Either way, they're playing the Republicans right now, and you guys are taking the bait if you're calling this an insurrection. But on the way to the court. I mean, where were the people even dressed like this on January 6th, right? And it says, remember when they rolled out the force to stop the, the rolled out in force to stop the coup on January 6th? Oh, wait. Now, what's funny is that's a, a, a Democrat making that argument to point out that they, you know, didn't stop. They didn't do enough to stop the coup on January 6th. I mean, at least that's how I perceive it. In any case, I, the point is correct. They didn't do that. Now, that shows something much different than I think this person is pointing out, that they are up there are. Apply, inconsistent in the way they're dealing with this, which speaks to motive. But you guys can think for yourselves. Now, here's the, the last couple points I want to make on this before we finish off with the COVID-19 point. Dang it, I keep doing that. Tiffany points out, I watched as a friend who was six months pregnant as she was forced to choose between taking the vaccine or losing her job. Where was all this defense of women's medical freedom then? To crickets. In the, in the corporate media sphere. And, and, and this gets a good engagement because I do believe that the majority agrees with this logic. But the people on the hard left and right don't care about logic. That's my opinion. But if you're being logically consistent, 
That is the most obvious, that is the same thing. These people, if you're talking about my body, my choice, or medical freedom, it applies to anything where it comes down to a choice about what goes in or out of your body. Simple as that. And they know that. Deep down, they know that. They just can't stand that they're being forced to contradict something they felt they understood. Now, Caitlin Johnstone, as always, and this is why I respect her work so much, is because she's, in other parts, on other, tw- uh, other tweets, made her stance clear on what's happening around Roe versus Wade, but can still be logically consistent in regard to what's happening. She says, as long as you can make the public fight over issues which don't inconvenience the powerful, you can keep them from focusing on issues which do. That is what's happening. You're allowed to have an opinion about Roe versus Wade and still be smart enough to point out that it's being used against you. And as she says, it it does work out very nicely for the powerful, yes. All of a sudden, inflation, war, militarism, and economic injustice, or economic injustice, I think, are all out of the window. Just a tiny little move like this, and all the nefariousness is suddenly out of the spotlight. Exactly. And this, oh, see, I'm glad I didn't include this. I thought I lost this. This person's right. They are going to make the whole effing country vote over one single issue. It is as easy as that. Now, by the way, it's not the whole country. It's the people that are lost in the two-party paradigm, which represent a huge portion of people that actually vote because most of the people that don't realize it's an illusion and are smart enough to see through it, the adult Santa Claus that it all is, but the point is that's actually still happening. They just shifted this away, so the focus is off all of the rest of it. So important. Great point, Caitlin. Last on this point before we jump into COVID stuff, this is really important from Kit Knightley, as always, just doing a great job. Is Roe versus Wade really about abortion? Not a lot of points, a lot of these points I've made, but I'm going to read the last part of it to finish off this discussion. It really does encapsulate it nicely. Roe versus Wade is a classic example of, uh, as it discuss, discusses the the federal, the government using these things against you for the most part. And it says it's a classic example of this. And reversing it changes only one thing: abortion law will now revert to state level matter, not a federal one. That's the only thing that's changing, guys. For all those people bleeding about taking rights away for women, that hasn't even happened yet unless you're in, that, in the states that have already taken that action. And those states should be ones that are protesting if you disagree with that. Like, that's where this should be happening, not at the Supreme Court, because that's already done. It's over. And all they did was allow you to have more rights in your state, which you should be happy about. But it says, but is it even really just about that? On a deeper level, there seems to be a prolonged campaign in place to violently divide the United States, perhaps to the point about right civil war. From Black Lives Matter to January 6th, the Second Amendment to Roe v. Wade, there is an increasing supply of hot-button issues accompanied by a, a, a deluge of divisive rhetoric. Both sides are being encouraged to take to the streets, protest, mock, yell and scream without any search for common ground. The office of the presidency is degrading more every single term with a crass blowhard followed by a jittering dementia patient. This is why I love Kit Knightley. Some states are even openly talking about seceding. Right, I mean, this is getting real. And even, whether it's based on an illusion or not, based on a agenda, manipulation, whatever you want to talk about, it's driving real action from the people lost in the paradigm, which they then represent as the majority. And a lot of people in the real majority still believe that. Whatever America became at its, in, its imperial zenith, you know, at its peak of whatever we want to believe it once was, its constitutional foundation 
has always arguably been the most egalitarian on earth. Really just, you know, best for the best for the average people, right? And I, I don't even think that encapsulates the word. Let's look at the, what the relating to or belie- believing in the principle that all people are equal and deserve equal rights. That's the good, that's the exact definition for egalitarian. But that generally translates to the average person having much more control and, and influence over what happens in their life. And the problem is that it's, and always has been slowly been chipped away by people one step at a time. They're simply saying, arguably, the most egalitarian on earth. Not to say that's perfect, but it says, could it be that those ideas enshrined in the Bill of Rights are considered an impediment to the progressive new world order? It's a very good question to ask. The U.S. falling into failed statehood could even act as a moral lesson to the rest of the world. And be held up as a warning about what can happen to when, quote, liberties taken too far, when you give them too much freedom, right? Or when people are allowed to, quote, selfishly put their own rights ahead of the public good. Yeah, that one really registers, doesn't it? The commute, right? We take the injection for the benefit of everybody else. Yeah, that's not really driving with most people, right? Let your gas prices skyrocket to defend freedom. Yeah, no thank you. Because it's not really defending freedom is the point. Perhaps the U.S. is being torn apart or encouraged to tear itself apart is the key to bringing about the next stage of the Great Reset. One thing is for sure, no matter the end game, U.S. politics are dry tinder piled high just waiting for a spark. Now, the point here is not to say that liberty can be taken too far. That's, that's, that's not possible. The point here is what we're talking about is them pointing at that are using the engineered collapse as a reason to say, see, that's why nationalism doesn't work. That's why liberty and giving too much freedom is not acceptable because it leads to this problem, reaction, solution. That's the problem. Waiting for you to react and then go, well, guess what, though? We've got the solution. The Great Reset. I just need to see how obvious this is, in my opinion. Oh, and then Derek adds, you know, if you still want an abortion... Try the, Fox, try the Pfizer vaccine. <laughs> Too soon? Okay, I'm sorry. Let's continue. Monkeypox. Monkeypox outbreaks, excuse me, monkeypox outbreak, according to Tedros from the WHO, is not yet a global public health emergency. Now, of course, I put the inflection there, but interesting choice of words, right? Not yet? Hmm. Interesting choice, especially the timing of it all. But the point is, they've come out now and said it's, as of right now, not a global public health emergency. But the important point made by Stat here is that that's, it only took a week after the first time they said that around COVID for it to become one, in their eyes, or their narrative. But it says the WHO on Saturday, yeah, today, declined to declare, which is, I love the way they framed that, declined to declare, which was like, so basically it's already, they're being pushed to do it. They just declined to do what everybody wants instead of just not calling it what it is or, you know, whatever. But it says declined to declare the unprecedented monkeypox outbreak that has spread around the world a public health emergency as of now. And that's what, that's the, the, they're linking to the article. A public health emergency of intentional concern, international concern, or P-H-E-I-C, grants the WHO Director General certain powers, as we know, such as the ability to recommend how countries should respond. Right now, it's only recommended. We've already seen that translate into action by the governments that allow it, but that's why the whole treaty with teeth is building, and I'll show you that part next. While it's a legal lever the agency can use, it's also a tool that can grab public attention and steer it to try, steer it to, try to address the burgeoning health threats. Such a declaration could further rally donors and member countries to increase funding, of course. The WHO can revisit its decision, as always, 
In January 2020, for example, the WHO, WHO didn't declare the emerging coronavirus crisis, as they frame it, as a public health concern, only to do so a week later. So just hear that in regard to them saying, nope, nope, not a problem. Doesn't, doesn't mean that they're just going to decide to push it in later. But here is the most alarming part. Well, first of all, ask yourself why the not declaring it a public health emergency wasn't worthy enough for them to post. Oh, well, maybe they just did. Okay, so ah, that's funny. Right before I went live, it hadn't updated, but now it looks like it just dumped a whole bunch of stuff. So that's where it was. And then, yeah, so three hours ago, I guess I, that's crazy. I feel like I refreshed that right before I started. In any case, I take it back. Looks like they did post that they've made comments about this. But here's the most alarming point. This is posted on Tedros's own Twitter feed. The COVID-19 pandemic has demonstrated, according to them, in their perception, that global health security Global health security, which, again, this is the frustrating part about how they're framing this. It's not about your choices individually, about a county or a state or even a country. No, it's global health security, which, by the way, again, is not global health. Now it's global health security, you know, like public health of England became the public or the the U.K. health security agency. Like it's a like it's a CIA version of health. It's alarming where this is going, the biosecurity state. But he says this pandemic has demonstrated that the global health security cannot be left to voluntary mechanisms or goodwill. So you can't, it can't be left to your choice or your belief that you're doing the right thing. We have to decide what those mean. How alarming is that? What gives you the right to make that statement? It's right here, by the way, just to make clear, this is what he says. <clears throat> this is his, these are his remarks from the Commonwealth Foreign Minister's meeting of June 23rd. Reported cases of COVID-19 here in Rwanda are now at their lowest level since the pandemic began. We'll go back to that. That's not true, by the way. Transmission is increasing in many countries, including some of yours. We're on co- this is just about COVID-19, right? I'm not even monkeypox. It says this is despite the fact that testing and sequencing have dropped markedly around the world, which is bl- blinding us to the evolution of the virus. So they want people to just forever, nonstop forever, continue to test and sequence. And that's alarming. That's never used to be the way that this was. We're at a point where even Fauci, and I'll make this point next, is saying that we're past the stage of, well, so why are we still continuing to, like, this is under the assumption, the fear-mongering, hypothetical, guessing assumption that there's just one next right around the corner. That never ends. There will always be the next one in their minds. That's what they keep saying. So this never goes away. Now, you may think that's the right choice. But all it does is create a governance of your, uh, controls your life around the threat of an unknown. This, it's, it's the war on terrorism at the next level. And all that did was increase your threat. <clears throat> now it says, and 40% of the world's population remains unvaccinated. Still, remember that, still, by the way. Now what does that mean? Two, one shot, two shot, three shot, four shot, five shot, who knows? But almost half the world. Now. Continuing, it says, so although we have made great progress and have many reasons for optimism, the perception that the pandemic is over is understandable but misguided. Ending the acute phase of the pandemic must remain our collective priority. Well, that's confusing, seeing as how Fauci already declared that we are out of the acute phase. Oops. Right? So inconsistent anyway, at the very least. That this is, it's, this is just about shifting narratives and agendas. 
We've never been in a pandemic based on their earliest assessments of what pandemics meant that they just changed once COVID started. We proved that right in the beginning, barely at a level two, according to their every document pre-COVID-19. But they just say, well, because there's a change because we want this to be serious or how the UK put this back in 2020 at no longer a serious health concern way back in 2020. And it's still there right now. But apparently that doesn't matter because we're, it's the biggest pandemic of a century. Okay, so he says we're still there. Fauci says we're not. But we're not allowed to challenge WHO, right? Keep saying that. The lessons of the pandemic has taught us the most important of those lessons in this is the, certain, is the centrality of health. Right. So the fact that we need to centralize control over your health from our standpoint. Right? We need to centralize the control of your health from a WHO worldwide standpoint. As foreign ministers, you have seen that the pandemic is so much more than a health crisis. Oh, is it now? It is a global crisis that touches every area of life. Business, economics, education, employment, families, technology, tourism, trade, travel, politics, security. Okay, explain for me how a alleged virus can affect education or employment or families or technology or any of those things. No, your actions around it. Even if you want to blame that or say that that's the absolute and it has to happen, let's stop being dumb about this and say that your actions because of this that you can say were justified are what affected this, not the pandemic you say happened. The economy collapsed because of your lockdowns. Education collapsed because of your lockdowns and the masks you forced them to wear and injections that are doing everything else. The employment, same reason. Families, same reason. None of that's because of a virus that's circulating they say is happening. None of that. Sure, you could argue that not doing anything could have taken people's lives. Could have. Well, I guess we'll never know. I guess well, the data shows plenty. But the point being that they continue to act like what they did to you is because of the thing that they pointed at. One of the key recommendations of the reviews was for a new legally binding international instrument. That's what we're talking about. To support closer cooperation and coordination between countries in the face of global threats. Very, very soft way to say that. Legally binding means you could tell people what they can do and what they can't do. Countries to now agree on a common approach with common rules for a common response to threats arising from our relationship with nature. Threats that we cannot entirely control. So they get to dictate what gets to happen. The COVID-19 pandemic has demonstrated, here it is, that global health security, from their perspective, their opinion, cannot be left to voluntary mechanisms or goodwill. We need to be able to tell people what they have to do and make sure that they do it. So voting doesn't matter anymore at that point, right? That will supersede everything. That's the EU over individual nations. Sure, you're, you are the pretend leader, but the EU is the real leader. In our view, the new instrument can only be truly effective in keeping future generations. future generations safer from pandemics if it is a binding accord that safeguards individual freedoms and national sovereignty. An instrument can only be truly effective in keeping future generations safe from pandemics if it is a binding accord that safeguards individual freedoms. I mean, come on. Every time you see them end the sentence with, we make sure we consider your national sovereignty and your freedoms, that means the opposite. A binding accord that by its definition undermines your freedoms and sovereignty that safeguards those things. I mean, it's just inherently stupid. What are we driving towards? The proposal? 
I'll, I'll, I'll cut to the chase without the extra stuff at the end. Stronger governance, stronger systems and tools, detecting and responding, stronger financing, and stronger WHO at the center of all of it. That's what it all means. And of course, you know, in a coherent, inclusive, and accountable way, right? Nonsense. All those extra words are meaningless. Stronger governance is what it means. Underpinning all of this must be the conviction that health is not a luxury for the rich, but a human right for all, an end in itself. Now, again, the same kind of point here. Health is not something given to you. It's your responsibility. Now, yes, money can make that quite easier, yes. Now, there's plenty of other ways to go than creating a situation where you dictate for everybody equally what they're supposed to be doing. Like, that's just tyrannically crazy. How about instead, you make sure everybody can... I mean, look, I don't even want to get into that. Like, you get into different things that I would probably take issue with in different ways. You know, funding, you know, universal basic income. <clears throat> the bottom line is people can make their own choices, and being healthy in most every way is not about buying vitamins or injections. It's about healthy living, choosing to not eat certain things and eating whole foods, which in most cases are, yes, cheaper than the big the garbage they pump at you and pretend is cheaper. It's an illusion. Buying fast food every day is way more expensive than buying whole foods in a bulk and eating meals you cook every day. But how do I have time for that, right? Stop. <laughs> Just stop. We all do. The point here, guys, is that at the end of the day, it's about creating the illusion that it's only the rich that are healthy. That's just simply not true. But this is where it leaves us. Is Fauci lying about a, you know, or rather both of them lying about where we are, but contradicting each other to achieve a different end. And I'm gonna, I want to include one thing before we go to the next part. My brother shared this with me today. Another, just to show you this isn't going away. This is today. It's published. Detection of a SARS-CoV-2 intra-host recombination during super infection with alpha and epsilon variants in New York City. Now, my, I could promise you this is going to go through all the, the, the corporate outlets, and they're going to point to this and go, new variants converging, and it's getting, it could be more dangerous, and hype, 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 and fear, because new variants are coming together, and it's super infection, and all the big flashy terms. Except when you cut to the chase, well, first it says we identify an instance of the soup kind of what they're calling super infection. It's just a term they use, whereby an individual is infected with, they claim, two different variants. Same kind of thing with the Delta Cron or whatever they tried to already do, which fell on its face. First of all, how do they find this? PCR test. So how do we not know that they're just simply testing with PCR tests and finding what they want to see? That's always the point. PCR test is not definitive in testing for these things, as any expert will tell you. But it says these findings support the potential for these things recombining. Now, even right there, you could argue that they're going to hype it as the, the potential for extra dangerous things. PCR screening. But here's the point at the bottom that I guarantee will be left out. Yes, because we read these things, right? Our search for Alpha Epsilon variant recombinants in New York City did not identify genomes that would suggest onward transmission of either of the major or minor strains derived here or a recombinant offspring. So what is this even talking about? So it, it, by, by all points of science here, there's no indication that it will continue to transmit individually or if they recombine. Now, mark my words, if this gets hyped, that point will be left out. But my point is, guys, this is going to continue. They're using this, the argument, if it wanted to, it'll continue. Now, to the point about Rwanda. Didn't he say that the cases are lowest right now since the beginning of the pandemic? Well, here's the last three months. Pretty obviously since April, it's been on an increase. Pretty sharp increase since June. 
plenty of correlations we could point out, but I'm not going to go there. Simply increasing. Now, yes, it's lower than it's been before. Let's go back to the full picture. So since the beginning would be right over here, right? But here we could point out, there's points, well, let's just point out right here. It's at 26 new cases is the, the peak right there. So his argument would be that there's, that there's been no other point except before this all started where 26 cases was the low, except that's not true. Right there, plenty of time. This whole lull, there's like months right here or a couple months where it's well below 28. So that's a lie. Here's another point where it's well below 28. So there's been at least two or three examples where that's already been the case. So why would he lie about it? Because it makes it sound good. That because we do the right thing there, it's lower than it's ever been. Not true. It's all about saying vaccines work. That was the point he was trying to make. Now, is it low because of what they're doing? Well, if that's the case, why would you see it starting to spike again? But it could be. I don't think that's the case based on all the science and data we have in front of us. It's probably just already declining or whatever they were hyping that this jump is PCR testing or conflation. And then suddenly they go, well, let's stop looking because now we're going to Well, However it works. I'm, I'm, I'm just throwing out possibilities. The bottom line is what he said wasn't true. Simple as that. Now, on that same point, let's, great example. Thank you, Snyder, for pointing this out. Threat on the mass vaccine Canada has taken the average deaths increased since then. This is the point he's making clear. Sheldon makes this clear. Thank you, Sheldon, for breaking this down. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> it says, two years ago on this day, this was posted on June 23rd, there were an average of 13 COVID deaths per day, averaged out over seven days. No vaccines were available. Then it goes on to say, by one year ago today, as of the 23rd, so that was two years, this is one year, as of that, 22% of the population of Canada had gotten, quote, fully vaccinated, which was at that point two, unless it was the single dose. The COVID deaths on the same day showed no improvement from the previous year, and we're still at 13 deaths per day over a seven-day average. So you have a, at this point, 22%. So a huge influx of injections with no discernible difference. Then you see jumping, it says 80, at that point, 82.7% of Canada is now fully injected as of the date we're discussing here. And it goes to say 55.5% of those 12 years and older at that time are boosted. Same time, 2.6 million people are boosted, as he says, to the tits. And now there is an average, now, you know, during that period, an average of 22 deaths per day over seven days. He's talking about today, obviously. For a more transmissible but less lethal variant of COVID. An increase in nine deaths per day of people that are injected. So if it's a less dangerous variant, you're, yet seeing, you're seeing an increase in deaths. Now, of course, you could add in the argument that more people are injected, but that doesn't hold water with what you're seeing here at the end of the day because it continues in that direction it's the opposite correlation they they continue to argue but then it says and the majority of deaths are in people who have been jabbed the super majority in those jabbed to the tits and people who got the jabs believe the people who didn't get the jabs are responsible for this just thought i'd lay it all out for you now it's this stuff is easy to prove all based on the Canada, the Canadian data directly, in most cases, from this exact place, from these breakdown of the worldometer or wherever that directly comes from. It's amazing this stuff is there, and people just don't care. This, just to add to that, you guys can, this is the report we just went over a couple days ago. Same thing. Majority of this stuff is happening in people with three doses of their body. Barely any, according to even the, the New South Wales government, 
all 77 were people that had at least a couple doses in their body, which seems to contradict what they posted right there. But regardless, it's unbelievably centered around people with injections. Now, here's Dr. Burks admitting that the government lied to you. And yes, I'll have some points to make after that, but let's take a li- oh, listen right here, actually. You're an expert. You were on the task force. You were part of this, this effort when you were in the previous administration, and you're saying in this administration that you can't rule out the fact that our government was lying to us when they told us the vaccinated could not get the virus. I don't know about their discussions that they had in the task force. So I can't tell you that. I can tell you as a family member who had individuals that were susceptible, of course we got everybody vaccinated. But we still use layered protection during surges because I knew potentially the vaccine immunity would wane like natural immunity waned. And there was evidence that every four months reinfection was occurring in South Africa. Wow. When the government told us that the vaccinated couldn't transmit it, was that a lie or was that a guess? Or is it the same answer? I think it was hope that the vaccine would work in that way. And that's why I think scientists and public health leaders always have to be at the so, table, so being it, very clear what we know and what but we this, don't this know. Is, this is important for the country to know. So when I asked the question, when the government told us that the vaccinated couldn't get it, and I asked you if it was a guess or a lie, you said you don't know. You said you think it was a hope. So what we do know is it wasn't the truth. So they were either guessing, lying, or hoping and communicating that information to the, to, the, to the citizens of this country? I think they were hoping, but you should know in those original phase three trials that were done in this country, that we only measured for symptomatic disease. So we weren't proactively testing everybody in those trials to see if they got infected with mild or asymptomatic disease. And so people had to present within the clinical trial. Which in and of itself is a manipulation, but I'm going to make comments about a couple of things she's saying at the end. Just, so I, we I, never I, had the data that it yeah. was going to protect against asymptomatic infection. I'm just struck with the irony. We got, we got government agencies guessing, hoping, or lying uh, in, in, with, with the information they're presenting to the American people. And this is the same, this is the same administration that wants to set up the, the disinfor- government governance, disinformation governance board and wants to talk about misinformation. And they're the biggest purveyors of misinformation, false information, hopeful information, but not accurate and true information, which is, uh, again, the frustration I think so many of the folks I get the privilege of representing have shared, uh, have shared with me. Now, obviously, currently, yes, because they're currently in control of the agenda. I could, I could, I mean, th- this is what's so frustrating about the two-party paradigm. Are we really going to pretend like there wasn't as just as much misinformation during Trump's reign over the agenda? I mean, for crying out loud, guys, Burks herself was making things up. Fauci was there making things up. Fauci was part of Trump's administration. Come on. They all were lying then, too. Now, you could pretend that Trump didn't know. I'll let you take that. I don't agree to some degree, to, to, to some point. But I think ultimately, guys, that this is about quietly admitting from a Republican person. In the minds of Democrats, she's a, she's a Trump person and blah, 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 so they're going to ignore it. She's lying for the agenda. Whatever. That's just how that goes. The point is, though, this is somebody involved with the original rollout of this that's admitting to us, because you can prove it with the studies, that the, they gamed what they found. They hoped instead of knew and censored us for pointing these things out. That's incredible. Right? Don't forget, Operation Warp Speed was started by Donald Trump, guys, and this where this all continues. Just because it got worse as it logically was going to during Biden's administration, 
doesn't mean that it wasn't started with Trump's administration and they simply just handed off the baton. I would argue that if it was in reverse, it'd be the same way. Biden was starting it and Trump would have made it worse, whether he meant to or not. This is a agenda carried out by more than one person in a presidential position. But admitting the government lied to us about injections. Look at that. Now, my point here, just really quickly, is that the waning of natural immunity, guys, that I'm not saying it's not the case. But from what I can see, at least four different peer-reviewed studies that I continue to point out, the main one being the ultra-potent discussion, I can just grab it real quick, that I often point out, and this one still stands, because it addressed, this one is in regard to Omicron as well, which is where they stay, we still are. And all it says is that people that got sick in the beginning, now understand, I'm not, this is arguing from within their narrative. I understand the arguments of whether this is, you know, completely an illusion and so on, but the point is what they're claiming is that people that got sick in the beginning, with the original thing, have continued to this day to make antibodies to all variants. That's what it says in their conclusion. It says structural and functional analysis revealed that the antibody breath is mediated by targeting, uh, blah, blah, blah. It says, oh, I, I, at this first part, demonstrates that convalescent subjects previously infected with the ancestral strain produce antibodies that cross-neutralize emerging variants of concern with high potency. That was during Omicron. It's telling the same thing. The point is that there's a lot of those. So I just take issue with this argument that we already knew natural immunity was waning. They weren't even admitting it was real until very recently. So it just seems like a very dishonest point. So maybe that's the entire point of why this is being admitted. Or the fact that asymptomatic spread, how many times do we have to go over this? Like the argument that that's even possible was disputed in the very beginning by people in even Fauci. Asymptomatic being with a respiratory virus is just simply not a thing. Or the fact that we have examples of 10 million person studies that found only 300 people that they claim were asymptomatic, zero of them were transmissible. Why? They didn't have symptoms. Simple as that. 10 million people, peer reviewed. I don't know what else people ultimately want. Now, you could still, I'm not saying ignore everything else like they claim, like they currently do to you. But there's not a lot of reports that are, that are, as sound that you should challenge that with, or th there's plenty of others that say the same kind of thing. And yet here we are, waning of natural immunity, asymptomatic spread. Is that why that's here? I don't know. My point is simply to acknowledge that they're admitting they were lying now. We have to continue to hear that. Excuse the sirens in the background here. <clears throat> While we're waiting for that to change, actually, I believe, believe, Just so you can see me again, just what I was trying to do before, which I don't know why it was so difficult to make happen, was to have another camera view. I don't know why it didn't happen last time. Very frustrating, in any case. But this is why I was doing this today, to sort of kind of test these different things, with, with Scott and I having some shows coming up and having different angles. That was the real point, just to <laughs> make sure people see it. Anyway, getting back to the point. This is important to understand that we were lied to. Right? And speaking about the fake news discussion, I just want to include this again. This is Biden standing up, say, didn't say it, but in his post from his account said that these were approved for the youngest kids. That's simply not true. Everybody knows that. They don't even have the courage to call that out. You can't pretend like, oh, he just got it wrong. That's a really important accident if you want to pretend it is. That's, that's straight-up medical misinformation. You are telling parents this has been approved by the FDA. It hasn't been. It's been emergency authorized. Very, very, very different. And I posted, here's the FDA page, you know, authorized for emergency use. So as I said, but it wasn't approved, as your team just told your millions of followers, Biden. It was emergency authorized, which is very different. Is that not medical misinformation? 
Oh, I see. As long as it misinforms in a pro-vaccine direction, well, it's allowed then. Got it. Sort of why I keep a tweet out about how this thing will make you, you know, fly or not die. And they're still there. Lots of engagement. All sorts of reports. But it doesn't matter. By the way, people, a lot of people, by the way, have reported this tweet. That's still there. So Twitter doesn't care, even when it's obviously and provably fake or misinformation, whether accident or not, as long as it's the right people or the right conversation. That's called being a hypocrite. Then we have a tweet with a video with Dr. McCullough pointing out something very important. Why do the majority of people do, I don't know, fine, but okay with these injections while others have very deadly side effects? It's an important question to ask. Uh, a graph. The COVID-19 vaccines take the cake for the risk of death. And uh, Mark Giado from France, scientist uh, in a lot of our working groups, has has proposed a, a name for this. It's called the Russian roulette theory of COVID-19 vaccination. Do you know when the messenger RNA vaccines are made, the messenger RNA is pretty unstable. Mm-hmm. It has to be cooled, and, 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 and probably each strand is a little bit different than, than the next one because of how they, uh, uh, the base pairs line up, and, and there has to be humanized um, code within it so the ribosomes will read it, and then there's these nucleoside analog caps the belief is that each vial and uh, each lot is different, okay? And on top of that, there are multi-use vials. So there's actually a lot of needles being stuck in each vial. So there's an opportunity for uh, changing oxidation, sulfation. Uh, there may be changes in cooling. And so one theory here, Dave, is a lot of people actually probably get a dud. that They get a shot and not much happens. Uh, they don't get much. Uh, immune protection, if any, but they don't really get much in the way of side effects. But if someone really gets a good install of messenger RNA coding for the lethal Wuhan spike protein, it does exactly what it's supposed to do. It injures organs and, in fact, causes death. And we, when we apply the Bradford Hill criteria for death due to COVID-19 vaccines, we fulfill all the criteria. It's epidemiologically consistent that the vaccines are causing death in a large number. That, and we've talked about his point on that before, right? These things are there for a reason. So they're meeting all the criteria, and yet it's all fake news because we don't want to acknowledge that it's sort of like a coach postulates argument. You know, it's like it, they're just jumping away from it because it doesn't apply because they don't want it to, right? They're there for a reason. If it's meeting all the criteria, then it's hurting people, or at the very least, it should be an honest conversation about how it can meet that criteria, and you can argue it's not hurting people, right? I mean, it's obvious. The point is that all of these things are being shown to be very clear, scientifically. That's the paradox of where we are. The trust the science crowd are now, I mean, in flagrant fashion, running from the science. I mean, it's, in, it's, in, it's embarrassing. But it's not just about the lots, by the way, in my opinion. I agree that that seems to play a factor. Or the great point he made there, that the mRNA, like I was, I'm actually going to bring this up in a future show. Somebody shared this with me today. But that they're coming out now arguing that the CRISPR, CRISPR-9 gene editing tool has been very important, but it has a very high error rate. Why? Because there's something new we're going to use now. I'll get, I'm going to talk about that later. <clears throat> but what's interesting to me is that doesn't, doesn't that play, isn't that an important factor? Because that's sort of the, the technology being applied here. And so that's what, so what he's saying is you're producing things that just don't ultimately work sometimes or unstable. And mRNA, nanoparticles alone, and spike protein by itself are all individually problematic. 
So I think it's also about just how healthy people are and what their body is dealing with. And, you know, they, like they said, these are time bombs. But nobody cares in the corporate media. Now, I'm going to go through this reasonably quickly just to wrap this up under two, because that's what I was aiming for for the most part. Is I want this, this is important, but it's ultimately a conversation that needs to be investigated more. And that was the whole point of showing it. Now, Dave, this is Dave uh, Colum pointing out yet again more of these horrific blood clots from arteries after from bodies, people that are dying that nobody wants to point out in the corporate media because it just doesn't matter. There's no because it's it's obviously wildly obvious this is un, not okay and unprecedented, but it must be climate change or something else, right? But as Daniel Hayes points out again, uh, amyloid fi uh, fibrils caused from the spike protein this person just asks and he says more of a hypothesis than a proven for sure always good to question everything he says the spike protein is behaving and is an amyloid and it causes fibrils to assemble according to walter chestnut now he posts both these thank you for the links always outstanding now here's what is this the nearest one just so i could play it <laughs> amyloidosis amyloidosis or amyloid or amyloidosis in this point is a rare disease characterized by a buildup of abnormal amyloid deposits in the body. Amyloid deposits can build up in the heart, brain, kidney, spleen, and other parts of the body. Doesn't that sound like exactly where we were seeing the buildup of the lipid nanoparticles? Yeah. A person may have amyloidosis in one organ or several. Now, as I understand it, they're sort of proteins. Uh, it says right here, I think. Yeah, in any case, I think it goes over in the article. Uh, like Proteins, essentially, where a spike protein is one of these. Which is really interesting. Now, suddenly, when people are talking about how this could be something that we're seeing, and here's Walter ultimately discussing this, sad male infertility and the spike protein amyloid amyloidosis hypothesis. What is most disturbing is the number of young celebrities that keep dying unexpectedly with ever-increasing frequency. Let's look at some of the recent ones. I just wanted to throw these out there real quick in case you didn't hear about these. On June 11th, Gia Pastone, a Native American TikToker, died suddenly and unexpectedly, and... Uh, and only a day after that, Cooper Noriega was found unconscious in a parking lot and then pronounced dead. Hollywood actor Tyler Sanders, 18, was found dead in his home on June 16th. Most of these with unexplained deaths. Let us look at the recent sudden cardiac death and events in athletes. Check this out. This is a point that I wanted to go to next that I think is just an additional point to what we've been saying. Records of the International Olympic Committee show 1,101 sudden deaths in athletes under age 35 between 1966 and 2004. 1,000 from 1966 to 2004, giving an average annual rate of 29 sudden deaths across all sports. However, between March 21st and March 2022 alone, a single year, at least 7, 000, excuse me, 769 athletes have suffered cardiac arrest, collapse, and or have died in the field worldwide, according to the stats, and we'll go over that next. Now, it says the following could be the mechanism for all of the unexpected and unexplained deaths in the young. Could be. Hypothesis. And this is around the idea of this uh, amyloidosis. It's usually attributed to pulseless electronic activity followed by vent ventricular arrhythmias, but may result from thromboembolic complications or bra uh, bradyarrhythmias and conduction, uh, conduction system disease secondary to amyloid infiltration or aut aut autotomic, autonomic dysfunction. Now, it says ventricular arrhythmia is also associated with cardiac amyloidosis, an unexpected death. What is most concerning is that post-mortem diagnosis of cardiac amyloidosis still represents a challenge for forensic pathologists. It may go completely unobserved or unnoticed. 
the spike protein is behaving as and is an amyloid. It then causes fibrils to assemble and blocks the electrical signals in the heart. They are doing damage to all other organs as well, make no mistake. Think of the electrical system of the heart as a wiring in the house. Now imagine thin thread-like needles being pierced through those wires. Eventually, the signal cannot get through. Now realize the spike protein is probably causing all sorts of other problems. This is on top of everything else. There's the study we'll look at. COVID-19 vaccination in regard to male fertility. We just talked about this. Temporarily impairs semen concentration. There's the study. We just talked about it. It's peer-reviewed. The study, published Friday, found that sperm concentrations decreased post the injection. Pfizer specifically. The paper claim is temporary. This is the point we just made. However, if you look at the endpoint statistic, the sperm concentration was still 19% less than it was before it started. How in the world are you going to call that temporary? He says his personal belief is that they didn't have a prayer of getting the paper published if they even hinted the reduction could be permanent. So instead... Providing the data clearly proving temporary status was erroneous is sort of a clever way of saying it's not temporary. I kind of agree with that. Where I still argue it's dishonest, but they know that they wouldn't get funding if they didn't lie about it in the headline, which speaks to how ignorant the corporate media is by simply title skimming what they say we do when they can't even realize that the data they're reporting on is actually showing the opposite. Gotta love that. But these people at least put the data in there. So just his opinion, and I agree with that, actually, at least that it's possible. But it says the paper concludes that systemic immune response after Pfizer's injection is a reasonable cause for transient semen concentration and decline. So this is what's happening. The spike protein amyloidosis hypothesis can explain the reduction in sperm concentration as well. And he goes on to to explain why that is and leaves the studies. Now, I'll leave it there. You guys can read through the rest of it yourself. The point is that this is a very interesting correlation with something else that could be happening. The point is there's so much happening that these things are leading to and the science is connecting that they just refuse to look at. Why would that be? Now, this is the study points out. You can read it for yourself. Now, here is the study in regard to the cardiac death from in the Olympics. What it says is, that the point that he made in regard to the Olympics. The point to the study is, it says, report on all cardiac, on sudden cardiac death in sports. They, were found, they found in this report, it's a new one, on top of the ones we've already shown you, that sudden cardiac death occurred in 1,101 reported cases in athletes under 35. 40% occurred in athletes under 18, 33% under 16. Interestingly focused on young people. This was it from 1966 to 2004. As they said, that's about 23 in a, what was the period he gave? That comes down to 29 cases across all sports in, in a given year. That's, they, we're way past that right now. I've already made that case very clear. Now, I'm not talking about injections here, guys. That's an invalid point to be brought up. My point is just cardiac arrest and why we're so far past what's acceptable or what's been shown to be average and nobody seems to care about it, whether or not it's caused by the injection. That's, the, that's where we should be making this argument right now because they only dispute this by saying they're claiming it's all vaccines. Now, you know my opinion on why that's very obviously playing a factor and should be investigated, but my point is remove that right now. It's obvious that we're we alarmingly past what is acceptable. And remember, they use that, part, they, that same argument with myocarditis and Bell's palsy, and they go, no, it doesn't, it's not more than the average we would expect to see. Well, why aren't they making that point around this? Because it is. Because they don't want you talking about it. Here is one of the points they make in that article, and this comes from an, a, a website uh, reasonably prominent in Israel. 
I already made this clear. I already pointed this out to you back in November 2021. Here's what it says. It's not in, it's not in route injections. This is just simply the epidemic of athletes. It says since December, 183 professional athletes, coaches, and college and youth athletes have abruptly collapsed, and 108 have died. Now, even if you want to get rid of the coaches, which I only think is about a couple or three of them, you're only talking about athletes. Now, in the discussion about how many athletes in this country or the breakdown of the average, that's including athletes. The, let's, the, ta- the argument of one to 40,000 was in regard to 30 to 40,000 athletes. I think that's generally, pre- let me just bring it up, actually, if I can remember. Let's see. Right there. So here, just to make this one very clear, athletes and sports competitors. To make sure, let's, you know what, just, just for, let's just say this is only professional level athletes. Even then, the point is that we can see exponentially more, I made this point the other day, if it's only 35,000, or let's just make it 40,000 for a year later, two years later, 40,000 athletes around, around the country in the United States. We have already seen five to six, I mean, 10 times the amount that should have been seen based on their averages. One in 40 to one in 80,000, which would be two. We saw two just last week. Not vaccine-related in the conversation, definitely could be, just cardiac arrest and died. How do we explain why nobody wants to call this out? So back to this point. Here's Israel's article, or article in Israel, calling out this number. Not vaccine-related, not specific to a sport, just broadly 183 collapsed with cardiac problems and, and 108 of them died. So here's the fact check of that point. And how do they dispute it? By pointing at a Facebook post that misconstrues the point. That says, FIFA players. Ah, okay, well that's not the argument. It's just professional athletes. See how that works? So the fact checkers are either unable to realize that that's a Facebook post that misspoke and and then use that to dispute that article, which means they're too stupid to even fact check, or they ignored that point because they wanted to dispute it. In any case, a list of 108 FIFA soccer players is not proof of a common link between COVID vaccines. Not not saying that. Not in this case, anyway. Why don't you care why they're all collapsing? (laughs) Isn't that alarming to you? How how crazy is that? Now, here's what it says. Again, Facebook post, Facebook post, Twitter post, because that's where we all get it from, right? But it says in the article itself, ah, there we go, to the actual article, the writer claims 108 professional athletes. Right. So why are you even making the argument at FIFA when the whole point is about the source material? Because all you're doing is debunking posts about the source material and acting like that debunks the point. I mean, it's so obviously transparent. But they point out the article, and they say Reuters looked into the list of 108 names provided by this website. It appears to be compiled using news reports of people that died. Exactly. And it goes on to say among the sports attributed to, the, to, the, to this whole discussion is they just list off a whole bunch of sports. So, exactly. So, athletes. (laughs) Exactly what they said. Got it. Football, archery, athletics, all sports, which is the same point we're making in the U.S. point. It's just athletes in general. A mixture of sporting levels is included, which range from professional, semi-professional, amateur. Yeah, athletes. We got it. Athletes. (laughs) There are also four soccer coaches listed, which, again, these are all meant to sort of dispute this thing, but it doesn't at all. The only thing they're trying to get at is that they're, mi- they're misrepresenting the reality, but they're not, though. What it is true, while it is true, they say, that many of the deaths were linked in news reports to heart issues, 
Okay, there is no current evidence that they prove a common link to COVID vaccines. No one's making the, this is a false, hollow argument. It's a straw man. They are attacking something that they didn't make in that argument. In 53 cases, a cause of death was reported. Okay, so let's just take 53. 53 athletes who, as it says, including heart attacks, who have cardiac arrest and die. In one year, or less than that, by the way, we're talking about this, this was last year. Well, let's just take 2021, and let's say it's only 53. It's way more than that. That is crazy more than the average we're supposed to see, especially when you take the argument of apparently everywhere from the Olympics and all sports and say 1,101. I mean, guys, this is so incredibly obvious. Now, back to this point, ultimately, to finish this up, they're making it clear. That that's 53 people that we can confirm. That's more than enough. Ignoring the injection point, that is enough to argue that there's a problem happening with athletes that we don't want to address. Sure, they're probably going to jump in and try to make it about climate change. It's probably what they're setting up right now or whatever argument they want to make. But right now, as they dismiss this, that is the point. That'll wake people up. Here's an interesting point. Dr. June Rain, remember her? Chief executive of Britain's Medical uh, Medicines and Healthcare Products Regulatory Agency said at the time that myocarditis and pericarditis remained a very rare potential risk with Pfizer injections. Okay, so we're talking about collapsing athletes in an article that didn't mention vaccines, but you're using her to say, but they're not connected to the thing that they didn't claim. Cool, thanks for bringing that up again for the 14th time. But here's the interesting part about it. She's the one who we keep pointing out in 2006 that says, well, we don't even need to prove these things. We don't need to prove the medicine caused the adverse reaction, right? Just the suspicion is good enough, said June Rain of the agency of the MHRA in regard to Vayers type data. So she's saying that back then. Now we're at a point where we've got millions of those reports, and she's here going, nah, nah, it's not, there's not, it's just a small risk, no big deal. Go back to sleep. So you disagree then with what you said before, or are you just a hypocrite or a liar or whatever you want to call it? I think you get the point. And by the way, We should be aware that plenty of studies have made clear that there's a 25% or more increase in cardiac arrest for everybody that takes these injections, period. And that there's also no evidence, based on peer-reviewed science, that COVID-19 has any increase in your prevalence of of myocarditis or pericarditis. Peer-reviewed, published April 15th, post-COVID, there was no association with myocarditis. We did not observe an increased incidence of either in adults recovering from COVID-19. But they'll keep pushing it, though, as usual. Oh, there I did it again. But let's wrap it up here. That's the end, guys. For, that's the, the finishing point in regard to where we are. But I think the reality is that we're going to continue to be lied to. They're going to try to use politics against you to, be, to drive you away from your logic. It's emotion and team sports that's getting you to, to ignore what we all have in there somewhere, which is something in there going, but wait a minute, that doesn't add up. You go, ah, screw it, because, you know, ha, they'll look at them. Look at them getting caught for what we, they were trying to accuse us of. So you jump into it, and you laugh about it, and you share with your friends, and you go, look at them getting attacked. But you should have just stood up and said, but it's not an insurrection. It's just as stupid as when you called it ours an insurrection, because I'm an intellectually honest person. That's what we should be doing. But most people in the two-party paradigm aren't. I hate to say it. I don't really. It's just the reality, because it's blocking logic, because it makes you ignore things that you should be pointing out. But thank you for being here. We're going to continue to try to improve the setup in general. I'm going to be playing with this a little bit more. But as always, guys, thank you for being here. I love you all. Question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant.
It's a very pertinent question to ask, how do we build back better? To build back better or whatever. We have a chance to reset the clock and build back better than before. To build back better than before. Remember the, the terrible damage of COVID as we try to build back from this uh, global pandemic. Joe Biden calls it build back better. Build back better. Building back better. To do things differently. To build back better. We're going to build it back better. And build it back better. It's my plan to build back better. Uh, start taking all the problems that have been created in right. education and mental health and start to, to build back in a positive way. I have launched a booklet called Build Back Better, Britain After Coronavirus. It's about building this country back better. Growing conspiracy following it. It is called The Great Reset. An unprecedented opportunity to rethink and reset the ways in which we live. The great opportunity for reset. The theory even calls Mr. Biden's campaign slogan, Build Back Better, a front for the conspiracy. Build back better. Building back better our economy. Build back better. All elements of the Great Reset are fundamental to building the future we need. This pandemic has provided an opportunity for a reset. It's a big effort to, some would say, to build back, back better. We would say to really have a great reset. Conspiracy, conspiracy. Conspiracy.